0: How radical is this? While going to college, this man chose to consecrate his life in celibacy in the service of Jesus. Our guest today, Father Jeremiah Payne.
1: Aloha. From the sandy beaches of Hawaii comes a wave of God's love and the challenge to go deeper. Paddle out with us and experience the thrills of the radical plan God has for your life. It's Deep Adventure Radio with your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak.
0: Aloha! Welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. This is your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. We have a guest today that's going to help us on cage the lion. Father Jeremiah Payne is with us. He's the associate pastor his Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church in Indian Atlantic, Florida. When I say on cage the lion, it's one thing to read about the early church when you read the book of Acts it's another thing to see that lion out and about roaring. If you want to get a sense of the habitat of a wild lion, if you want to get a sense of the way life was for the early church, that primitive church that was still even discovering the sign of the cross, didn't even have a word for the Holy Trinity. Back in the days when 250 years or more went by before the New Testament books were even listed in a book of contents. You know, Before they were even written. How did the primitive church, how did that young roaring lion live? What was its habitat? I can tell you how you can discover that. When you read the writings of the early priests and bishops, the early fathers of the church, you discover what that early church was like. You get a sense of the order of the church. For example, was there leadership? Was there a headship in each local church? Was there a bishop over the area? What about the Bishop of Rome? What was the Bishop of Rome? What was his role? Did he have any oversight or any fatherly role? Is there such a thing as apostolic succession? Could it be that the apostles appointed others in their place and that those in turn did the same? Do you want to see what this roaring lion this young lion of the church how it how even Paul in Paul's age he said it's been spread the word of God's been spread to every part of the world how did this young roaring lion that was pressured and pressed down and and persecuted from its birth how did it live how did it how did it flourish look at the way the early church worshiped what was their worship service like we get a glimpse of it in uh, Paul's writings, uh, in the writings of the church. It says in an Acts, for example, it says they gather together to daily to, for the reading of the word and the breaking of the bread. If you go to Mass today, that's the way the Mass is structured. You walk in and you, we have our time of worship. We have a time of confessing our sins to God and asking for forgiveness. And then we read the word. We hear the word. And it's so beautiful because a psalm is read and then an Old Testament verse is read and then a New Testament uh, word is read, something other than the gospel. And we have readers that read that. But then, when it's time for the gospel to be read, we all stand and the priest or the deacon uh, stands with us and reads reverently from the gospel. And then we hear that teaching. But then something happens In the sacrifice, as it was called from the earliest time, the young lions, the young fathers of the church called it the sacrifice. Because we as priests, what are we offering up? If we're a priestly people, what are we offering up? We're offering up ourselves in union with Jesus on the cross as a holy and living sacrifice. And so in the Mass, if you look at how the early church functioned, it had the break, the reading of the word, and then went into the Eucharistic celebration where it was clearly taught by so many of the early church fathers that this, in fact, is the body and blood of Jesus. It's not a representation. It's not that God is present in some spiritual way within the hosts, but this is the body and blood of Jesus. And without this blessed sacrament, how can we gain our immortality? So we have Father Jeremiah Payne, who was raised with, with not even uh, going to a church, and then, praise God, a, a hippie type of Christian. We used to call us ourselves Jesus freaks back in the day, the original Christian Christian rockers, you know, the rock that didn't roll type people back in the seventies. Well, later this this uh, full grown um, Jesus freak or hippie. Uh, led him to a conversion to Christ. And then Jeremiah is looking for some place, Father Jeremiah is looking for some place to worship, and he found Assembly of God Church, and he just loved it. And he went and he fellowshiped there and went to other churches. Even as a high school student, he was, he was speaking all over the so- uh, South um, evangelistic ministry to young people. But at some point, someone said, "You know, we would like for you to give us a talk on uh, how the early church functioned. Could you do that for us? And he was, I think, just uh, just in his senior year in high school. And when he went in and he discovered it, it's exciting. You can read what they said. Clement of Rome, Polycarp, Justin Martyr, Athanasius, and on and on. You can read their actual words. Very intelligent people. He discovered that sounds very different than the way we do things now. And then a friend invited him to midnight Masses going, this is my chance, I'll go in there and I'll convert everybody. And he realized this is very much like what I was reading the early church fathers had to say. And this is very much like the book of Revelations, heaven come down to earth. And so at some point he um, didn't leave behind his his Pentecostal friends and his Protestant friends, but he he became a Catholic and then became a Catholic priest uh, embracing the entire body of Christ. So we're so excited to have a very intelligent, very literate, very philosophical, very thoughtful, very sold out man of God with us today, Father Jeremiah Payne. So stay tuned, we'll be right back with more Deep Adventure Radio, aloha. Deep
1: Adventure Radio, where the surf is always on. Deep Adventure Radio has challenged you to accept the wild adventure of God's will. Now go even deeper with Bear's best-selling book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul. In story after story, Bear takes us along as he paddles deep, surfing alongside whales and dolphins and avoiding killer sharks. Bear shares his experiences of the ocean in an intimate and exciting way. We share in his pain, healing through God, and the joy of finding that deep, intimate relationship with Him. As the story unfolds, you'll see how surfing has become the metaphor for the journey toward intimacy with God. Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul will stir your own desire to go deeper into your faith. Order it today at deepadventure.com for your own faith journey or for someone who needs to go deeper. Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul by Bear Wozniak, available at deepadventure.com. Now back to Paradise and Deep Adventure Radio.
0: Aloha. Welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. This is your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. And today, uh, as my co-adventure guide, I have Father Jeremiah Payne. He's the um, associate pastor at um, Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church in Indian Atlantic, Florida, which to me is a very significant place. Uh, I have experienced uh, tremendously uh, a vibrant community when I've attended there at, at their church. I've attended uh, a uh, uh, christ renews his parish uh, renewal weekend which was i mean just such a powerful impact on my life and there's just something going on there and let's try to discover more about what that is father jeremiah has lived a very uh interesting uh path on his on a journey towards intimacy with god and so we're very glad to have him on he he uh among uh, other things he's uh he uh, came uh, up, uh, was raised really without any real religious background and traveled through the Assembly of God uh, path for a while and really discovering Christ. And um, then went through um, uh, Steubenville University and was even, I forget, I'll have to ask you, Father Jeremiah Payne, welcome. What was what was it that you did in Rome again? What was your, you, you taught there or went to school there or
2: yeah, I, I studied for a licentiate in Sacred Theology at the Pontifical University of Saint Thomas Aquinas. I love Thomas known Aquinas. As the Angelicum.
0: The Angelicum. Saint Thomas Aquinas. I love him. I just. I mean, I ha, I've read through this Summa actually a f- couple of times. Still don't quite understand it, but it, it just. <laughs> yeah, I love Thomas. You know, I love. I love. Uh, I, I believe it was he that said uh, that he turned the water of, of reason into the wine. Of of, yeah. of faith, yeah. yeah. I love Thomas Aquinas, and I'm so uh, happy, uh, so glad to have you on our show. I'm looking forward to our our listeners uh, to kind of travel along with you on your journey because you were really uh, seeking. Um, you really went through some challenging times, and really went through a time of real seeking. Uh, and I and uh, you know as they, they as uh, C.S. Lewis and his group over there used to say that we will follow truth wherever it will lead us. Uh, over there in Cambridge, and, and I really think that is you, from what I little I know about you. Can we just dig right into this? I, normally we kind of small talk a little bit, but I just want to dig right into this path that you had in your life. Can you tell us what was that process that brought you to your initial conversion to Christ?
2: Well, there. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on your show, uh, and it's a, it's a great time to be able to talk with you, and I admire the work that you do for the gospel. Um, you know, as, as we talked about, I, I wasn't raised in any religious tradition at all. Um, I had been baptized in Methodist by my grandmother, but no follow-through on a faith life. And, you know, as time went on, uh, my family experienced some struggles as I got older. And uh, without any foundation to fall upon, uh, you start looking in various directions for support and for an identity. And I looked in a lot of places, uh, especially after my grandma died with whom i was really close to and um, uh... we were a freemason family and so i was part of the order of Dimalay, malay and i had some friends there that were into wicca and i tried that out for a little bit but it just didn't seem to fit i did all kinds of spiritual reading uh... you know in various religions and it didn't seem to fit and i tried all kinds of other things uh... and it didn't seem to fit um, but during a particularly tough summer. Uh, I was reunited with my, believe it or not, my childhood babysitter. and She was a classical hippie. I love her. Her name is Lynn. Uh, Shaq, uh, wallpaper with a newspaper, all of that good stuff. And that particular summer, I'll never forget it. She knew what was going on in my family uh, and what was going on in my heart. And she told me about this man uh, who loved me unconditionally, who gave everything for me, uh, and to prove his love, uh, spread his arms wide and was nailed to the cross, and all I had to do was return that love. Uh, and she asked me after telling me this message if I wanted to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Uh, and I did. Uh, I prayed what we called the sinner's prayer that day, and I, and I accepted Christ into my heart. Uh, I wanted to make a change in my life, and something about that moment more than Wicca, more than being involved in Freemasonry or these other things, or all the other searching that I did, uh, something clicked, like a puzzle piece, or you know, something that was meant together clicked. Uh, and I knew I was meant to walk with this man Jesus. And uh, she told me when I got back home to Florida from New York that um, I would need to find a believing community uh, to worship with. And so uh, I got home, and my parents really didn't want me to go to church, if you could believe that. And uh, they didn't want me going. So I had this trick up my sleeve. Uh, one day, when I got home from school, and they weren't home yet, I called the Mormons and, uh, and asked them to bring me out a Book of Mormon and a Bible, because I knew the missionaries would come. And so a week later, uh, we're eating dinner, and there's a knock on the door, and it's two Mormon missionaries. And my dad was fit to be tied. So I made him an ultimatum. I said, Dad, look, you let me go to the church of my choice, uh, and uh, everything will be simpatico. If you don't, I'm going to become a Mormon, and these guys are going to come by every week. Uh, (laughs) Needless to say, uh, uh, Dad let me go to the church of my choice. And I found this awesome little community in Bellevue, Florida. Uh, We lived in Ocala, just outside of Gainesville. And uh, I didn't know anything about denominations. I didn't know anything about denominations, uh, but this was a nice little community, warm, friendly, dynamic, uh, good preaching um, and uh, they were called Bellevue First Assembly of God. And that is where I made my church home and really started learning the Bible, uh, learning about apostolic witness uh, and learning to love the Lord Jesus in a
0: new way. So when you so you begin to, and your journey there, uh, at that point, had you started to study the? Uh, you said in in your advanced uh, English class in high school. Was that was that before your senior year in high school when you developed yeah, this? Yeah, that that
2: was towards my freshman year. And so, you know, basically, as time went on in the in the assemblies, um, you know, my pastor identified a gift for public speaking in me, uh, and I and I started preaching there. And uh, and and my biology teacher actually got me preaching in her church. Her. Her husband was a pastor in an uh, in a uh classically African American Pentecostal church called the Church of God in Christ. Oh,
0: aren't those I, oh yeah. I love yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I got whole different culture.
2: Where I really learned how to preach without fear, preaching and preaching in that church. And uh those people are so loving and welcoming and, and encouraging, I yeah. With them.
0: Yeah. Oh how cool. Loved it. Yeah.
2: And uh, so, so I, started, I started doing teen evangelism and preaching, preaching youth revivals with the Assemblies of God across the Southeastern United States, and uh, I did that for a few years and was planning on becoming uh, an Assemblies of God uh, ordained minister, um, had set myself up to go to Southeastern College of the Assemblies of God over in Lakeland, and uh, in my senior year of high school, you know, I started encountering a couple of things that, that would change the course of my life. And the first of those, as you mentioned, was uh, in my AP English Literature class. I encountered the character of Thomas Becket, who was uh, the 12th century um, martyr of Canterbury. He had been the Archbishop of Canterbury and was also the Chancellor of England under Henry II. And uh, he had a deep faith after a conversion and would not be the pawn of King Henry II anymore. And Ultimately, Henry had him executed. Uh, And his last words were, for the name of Jesus and for the protection of his Church, I willingly give my life. And, you know, Pentecostals, unfortunately, have this image of Catholicism uh, that is not so good, and so did I. I had that image, too. But I thought, here's this Catholic guy, and when it comes down to it, just before he's killed, he calls out on the name of Jesus. And I said, there has to be something about that. You know, how could this guy, steeped in a religion of man? Uh, call out the name of Jesus at his last hour when he's in most distress.
0: And, and when, he could, really and when he could have copped out.
2: Thinking he, about, yeah. you know, uh, the nature of Catholicism.
0: Yeah, and so, and and then you said there was another, so that was a process of, of looking at, um, uh, you know, the, the form of, of Catholicism and, and the depth of belief, in, especially in that time of history. But then yep. I, I understand you were invited to... Uh, do a, a talk or a series of talks on how the early church worshipped. Sure.
2: Is a- yeah. Two, two, two things that happened. Uh, one was my my um, high school best friend. His name is Eric. He was also a Pentecostal. He had gone off to Bible college in Alabama. He was a year ahead of me in school, and and uh, he encountered uh, this Catholic group and had started going to uh, liturgy, started going to mass. And I'm thinking, boy, they, you know, he's he's joining the Whore of Babylon, and so. He came home for Christmas break and asked me if I wanted to go to Midnight Mass. And I said, sure, with ulterior motives. I wanted to make sure that he didn't fall off the precipice into false religion. Uh, And I also wanted to make some converts that night, because in my experience of evangelization, Catholics were very easy to pick off. So I thought, okay, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone, you know, with this Midnight Mass thing. But when I got there, uh, and the liturgy started, It was like I was in the middle of the book of Revelation, where it talks about the worship of the Lamb. I was absolutely dumbstruck and mesmerized. And from that night onwards, the sort of uh, Pentecostal charismatic worship was just thin for me. It would be a long time before I became Catholic, but it was just thin. There was something about that liturgy and something about worshiping in that way. And shortly thereafter, uh, once Christmas break was over, my pastor asked me, if I would teach a class to our, uh, to our church on the early church. And I agreed to do it, and what happened was, uh, being fastidious in my mind, I wanted to be academically accurate. And I, I, was, I was a little perturbed, because we all, in the Protestant world, claimed to be doing things the way that uh, the New Testament church did them. Yet none of us did anything the same, and there was very little common denominator in what we believed. Having been uh, a good student in high school and studying the classics, I knew that oral tradition in the ancient world was sacrosanct. Uh, it wasn't like our parlor game now, where I tell you something and you tell somebody something, and when it gets around the bonfire, back to me, it's something different. Uh, rather, uh, they memorized things and passed them on because it was the only way to keep knowledge going. And yeah, so there was I decided, no, well, not a lot of books to... around. Not a lot of books, No. Nope. <laughs> So, uh, but I knew that some of the people who had been students of the Apostles had written things, written letters, or epistles, letters to the churches that they governed. Uh, and I thought, well, you know, that first generation of Christians after the Apostolic Period, they couldn't have gone that far uh, from from original Christianity. So let me see what they thought the Church looked like in the New Testament period. And as I started reading, and these would be documents there, like the Didache, uh, the documents of Clement of Rome, uh, the documents of, um, other Ignatius of Antioch, uh, who, who himself was a disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of Saint John, uh, who wrote the fourth gospel in the book of Revelation. Um, and as I read these things, I was absolutely terrified. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Because what I found in them consistently, whether they were writing in Syria, whether they were writing in Palestine, whether they were writing in Asia Minor, which is now Turkey, all over the world where it had been evangelized, uh, their proclamation of the Gospel was the same. And the only thing today that looked like what the early Church uh, fathers were talking about was the Catholic Church. And that terrified me. In terms I was of doctrine, to believe the Catholic Church was the whore of Babylon.
0: Like in terms of doctrine, as well as in terms uh, in terms of belief, as well as in terms of the way they worshipped.
2: Yep in terms of in terms of belief and the way that they worshipped. I
0: mean, the dedicated so I found, mm-hmm, I found
2: things like the Eucharist. You know, the, the body and blood of the Lord being made present at the liturgy. Uh, a ministry of of bishop, priest, and deacon, or bishop, presbyter, and deacon. Uh, veneration for uh, those who lived holy lives and had passed on to the Lord, Uh, an honoring especially of the Virgin Mary, so on and so forth. Uh, The the idea that the Bishop of Rome uh, had a certain place of honor because Peter and Paul had died there, uh, and Peter had been given that promise of Church governance by Jesus. Uh, all of that
0: was there, right there in those documents. Well, you know, the DDK we only recently um, it was rediscovered in, in the late uh, 1800s, I believe. And I just yeah. wonder what would have happened 500 years ago if that document had had been available then, because it clearly uh, provides a catechism and it also provides a form of worship. Uh, what did you? Right. What did you know? And for me, uh, you and I in some ways had similar paths because I had tremendous conversion in the Catholic charismatic renewal, and then. Went into uh, the non-denominational world for many years, found great brothers and sisters, had a miraculous back healing uh, through the Vineyard movement, and but eventually I wanted to go deeper. Yeah. And it wasn't until that drifting and and searching that I found the church fathers, and what kind of the thing that I remember that just nailed me right between the eyes is when I read Justin Martyr's apologetic. Of course, he was I think the first of the church fathers that read that wore the philosopher's robe as well. And he was writing in defense of uh, of the Christians who were being accused of cannibalism, and he was writing to the emperor. And he knew very well that could mean his death, and it did. But he, when he, I believe that when he described the epiclesis, when he described the consecration of the host, I go, wait a minute, that's what I hear at mass. It's almost word for word the same. And he was, uh, and he was uh, in the early uh, part of the. The second century, I believe, when he wrote, or maybe it was the end of the first century. Right. But, but he, when I read that, I, I just, I, I, it just, it just floored me. And I go, oh my gosh, what have I been missing out on? And then the DDK, which had been discovered, you know, uh, just rediscovered by a monk uh, about 125 years ago, going through some ancient archives, it just nails it. And that was written during the time that the apostles were alive.
2: Yes,
0: that's correct. So, so what? What tell me? Tell us. Give me, you know, I'm kind of getting too excited, but tell what? What was your response? We got about a minute here before we got to take a break, but what did you do with that? Did you feel you had? To... <laughs> I, I,
2: I was, I was confused, and, and you know, my, my first, and 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 perhaps we can talk a little bit about what I did after the break. But my first reaction was, was it, it was mixed. It was paradoxical. It was excitement at discovering something new but also sadness, because I, I place a lot of love and trust in my pastors and evangelists to teach me the truth about Jesus. And here I'm finding something that's different, uh, something that's truer than what I had learned. Uh, but at the edge of that sadness, of course, there was a silver lining, because I knew that I was discovering uh, what was really true about what Jesus came to do, what Jesus established in his covenant community, and how it is that Jesus wanted us to be in covenant uh, with him and his father and his life-giving spirit, uh, so at the edge of the sadness of, of feeling like I had been duped, um, is that is that great grace of knowing that I found something new—the pearl
0: of great price. Well, we're going to come back and talk more about that, and especially we treasure our brothers and sisters of all denominations. And we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Father Jeremiah Payne's uh, journey towards uh, a deeper intimacy with God. And one of the things God teaches us is to love Him with all the heart, soul, strength, and mind. And part of that journey with Christ is uh, uh, loving Him with our mind uh, and learning, uh, you know, more about the depth of His uh, His pattern for worship, and and so we'll be right back uh, with more Deep Adventure Radio with our adventure guide, co-adventure guide, Father Jeremiah Payne.
1: Deep Adventure Radio, going deeper into the heart of God. EWTN is now on Twitter. Get short, timely messages from EWTN on your computer or cell phone. It's easy to stay up to date on a wide variety of topics. Pro-life news, Vatican announcements, catechesis, apologetics, the latest EWTN programming, and more. You can link to EWTN on Twitter from our homepage or go to twitter.com EWTN. At work, at home, at school, and on the road. Stay connected to your world with EWTN's Twitter page. You're listening to Deep Adventure Radio with Bear Wozniak, the boldest hour of radio in the history of the world. Be courageous and take your relationship with God to the next level. Check out our website at deepadventure.com. You can sign up for fellow adventurer Bear's weekly email. Go deeper in faith with Deep Virtue Blog. Order Bear's book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul, and follow Bear as he takes you on a radical adventure through calm tides, monster waves, and the powerful presence of God. At deepadventure.com, you can journey with Bear on his travels, find out how to bring him to your parish or men's conference, and accept the challenge of an intimate relationship with God. Tackle the deepest part of yourself by signing up for our Deep Adventure Quest retreats the most radical thing you can do is abandon yourself to the wild adventure of God's will. Find out more at deepadventure.com. For a complete list of the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network AM and FM stations across America, go to EWTN.com, look for the radio pull-down menu, and select AM-FM stations. The list is updated regularly, so visit often. Again, go to EWTN.com, look for the radio pull-down menu, and select AM-FM stations. Also at EWTN.com, you'll find out how to listen to us on the web, on shortwave, and in some countries on satellite. You'll find it all on EWTN.com.
0: Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Aloha, this is Bear Wozniak, author of the best-selling book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul. You can buy it through Amazon or through my website, deepadventure.com. Lately, here in Waikiki, there's been a couple sightings of the man in the gray suit. You know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about a tiger shark. Just beyond the reef, twice in the last two weeks, we've had a sighting of a tiger shark, and in the last Year in the islands of Waikiki. There's been more shark attacks than the last 10 years combined. There's been 14 Attacks, but what's interesting to me is that it was big news A tiger shark was spotted out beyond the reef in Waikiki when the surfers talk about this We're all like well, you know, that's not really news. We know they're there We just don't usually see them and it but this struck me as kind of a wake-up call for us Christians The enemy is out there. He's prowling around searching who he can kill and to destroy, but we just kind of cruise around oblivious to the fact that he's there. We need to be aware that we have an enemy. We need to realize that we're basically on enemy ground here, that we're in a war zone. If you're in a war zone, and you're not aware of the fact that you're in a war zone, dude, you're in trouble. If you're in a war zone, you're going to be sure to wear the armor. You're going to be sure to have your weapons with you. As Christians, we need to be sure to stay close to Jesus. We need to receive the Eucharist. We need to uh, receive the sacraments. We need to spend time in the Word. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time listening to the Holy Spirit so that we get our marching orders for Him. In a sense, the Holy Spirit will speak to us, don't go there, go here. There's tiger sharks all around us, but we want to paddle out and ride the waves of the Holy Spirit, so stay tuned and stay close to the Holy Spirit. This is Bear Wozniak, Aloha.
1: Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Find out more at deepadventure.com Back to Deep Adventure Radio with Bear Wozniak. Suffering in paradise for you.
0: Aloha. Welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. This is your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. We have a a man with his father, Jeremiah Payne, who I just, when I met him, the moment I met him, I just oh, i got to get to know this guy. Uh, you know, I know he uh, attended uh, Franciscan University at Steubenville. I uh, found out later that he had actually uh, attended school in, in Rome, too. I guess I forget the name of it, but I know Thomas Aquinas' name is on it somewhere. But we were talking uh, before the break about how he had been given the assignment by his pastor to give a teaching and how the early church worshiped. And we see the pattern in the New Testament. We see how that said they gathered together for the reading of the Word and the breaking of the bread. Uh, but we don't, we didn't, we don't really, um, that wasn't fully uh, brought to life uh, through Scripture, uh, but we can find it uh, in the Catholic Mass this morning. If you go to Mass this morning, you're going to hear the reading of the Word and you're going to participate in the breaking of the bread. And we go all the way back to that first century. when St. Clement of Rome, the third successor of Peter, is writing to Corinth. And he's kind of saying, Remember, didn't Paul already talk to you about this? So he was already exercising a fatherly sort of authority over that church about schism. Now schism, a uh, woe to the person who brings schism to the church. But the Catholic Church is is, is such a, a beautiful, loving mother, in a sense, that it, what it says is that uh, for those who through no fault of their own have been brought to Christ and, and baptized you know in a Trinitarian baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit... And through no fault of their own, participate in um, what we would say would be a non Catholic denomination or church. We welcome them as our children. You know, we, we, we are one universal Catholic church. That means anyone who's been baptized is really part of this one church, whether they really know it or not. And so, Father Jeremiah was, was, was with wonderful, loving people who uh, really, through no fault of their own, did not realize. Had not For me, when I had left the church for a season, went into the non-denominational world, I was under catechized, and I frankly thought that there was the New Testament and that nothing really had been written until around the year 1500. And so when I found the early church fathers, it was riveting, and I know it was for Father Jeremiah. So catch us up now. You're supposed to be giving a talk, a series of teachings on how the early church worshipped, uh, so, and you found all this, new, uh, this information that's kind of floored you. What did you do with that?
2: Well, uh, I continued teaching the class uh, throughout the spring semester at, at Bellevue First Assembly, and, uh, and I presented what I learned. You know, I wanted to be honest in what I showed the students uh, that I had in that class, and, and uh, I was honest with showing them things like the Didache and the way that uh, Clement and others uh, understood what Paul had said in 1 Corinthians 11 about the nature of, of Holy Communion and the Eucharist. Uh, and about church authority, um, the way that the early church uh, was structured by the Lord with bishops, or in Greek, what we call episkopoi, overseers, uh, who received apostolic authority from the original 12 apostles. And uh, I shared all of that, but I realized, you know, as time went on, as we moved closer and closer to the end of the semester and the end of the class, um, you know, a, 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 what we call a syllogism. You mentioned, uh, uh, you mentioned, um, uh, philosophy a little bit before. So a syllogism started to form in my mind, uh, personally. Uh, and that syllogism was this. If Jesus is who he says he is, then the Church has to be what he says it is. Because he is the covenant giver, and we are the covenant receiver, and we do not establish the terms of the covenant with God. God establishes the terms of the covenant with God. And so, if I'm going to be a faithful Christian and a faithful follower of Jesus, and I'm now learning, sort of in fullness, uh, what these terms of the covenant with Jesus are, namely, what he came to do, the type of church or ecclesia called out ones that he established, the parameters of it, placing Peter as its head, and so on and so forth, giving it sacraments. Uh, if this is what Jesus did then I need to be in the place uh, that Jesus established as the fullness of his body. And so really, going on into that summer there, uh, and into my first year at the Assemblies of God University, uh, I had made the decision that that in my Christian walk, if I'm going to walk it with fullness, uh, I'm going to have to do that in the Catholic Church. Uh, And so I began the process of looking at at what it would look like to convert uh, to Catholicism.
0: That's pretty radical, you know, and and I love our assembly of God uh brothers and sisters when I always Me started when too. i when I uh, started the Catholic charismatic renewal it was so cool because I was going to Baylor University and we had the t- top theologian there who was the number one person in the southern Baptist, uh, uh, among Southern Baptists who was an expert on the Catholic charismatic renewal, and he would attend our 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 little prayer groups and he would even teach and then we had um, Patrick uh, O'Toole, who was an Assembly of God minister, who would come and he would teach. And the great, great, great teaching. And then he started, I mean, Sam O'Toole was his name, and he started coming to, with us to morning Mass yes. every morning, you know, not receiving, but attending. And then all of a sudden it was, he, it was he that was coming our way instead of us. You know, well, actually we kind of came together, but he began to really appreciate, you know, the the the, the way and the, the the truth of the way that we, that we, um, we, um, Worshipped, and it really meant his uh, he lost his uh, he lost his church over it. So it's a radical thing. Here here you are at Assembly of God um, University, and you're and you're wanting to become a practicing Catholic. How did that transition happen?
2: Well, uh, it was interesting because uh, I got there and I had already made the decision to convert and was going through RCIA at the local parish. And uh, they called me into the office, and they, they told me that I couldn't wear any expressions of Catholicism on campus, uh, that I had to take my crucifix off, so on and so forth. So the administration was not happy that I was there. Of course, I can be a cheeky fellow, so I just reminded them that I was receiving federal money as part of my scholarship and uh, that they couldn't discriminate based on religion. And that stopped that sort of thing from the, from the uh, up. But the real, the real blessing was with my friends and my, and my co-students uh, at uh, Southeastern, who were really interested in how I was becoming Catholic, and we had uh, just many conversations, built strong friendships with them that remain to this day. Sometimes I preach in their churches. Many of them have become Catholic. Uh, they are dear to my heart, my friends from Southeastern. Uh, but in our relationship together, they got a much better vision of what Catholicism really is. And and you know you know and I want to say you know as I as I share my story, I love uh, my Assemblies of God family. They were the first to nurture me in faith, to teach me how to love the Lord Jesus, how to fall in love with the Scriptures. Uh, and and I love them, and will be forever grateful to them. Uh, even though I felt the Lord calling me uh, into the fullness of faith in the Catholic Church.
0: Well, here is the thing: you know, we we um, a lot of times what we do in the show is uh, we're not necessarily aiming to, you know, for everyone people who are listening. Sometimes when we have these types of discussions, that we're saying, "Okay, now now that you heard this, you better become Catholic or something like that." What we're really trying to do is explain ourselves to others, because. The, the The more people know about a Catholic, the true Catholic faith, not the hearsay of what some pastors said Catholics believe, or what some priests said Catholics believe that's not in accordance with the, the magisterium of the church, the more our loving brothers and sisters know what we believe uh the more of a sense of fellowship and intimacy they have with us, and vice versa so part of what we're doing is just kind of explaining ourselves uh to our non-Catholic brothers and sisters and, and letting them know, hey, it's okay to love a Catholic. And it's so funny because the other day I was talking with someone and uh, shared with them, I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic, and they go, yeah, I know there's a lot of Catholics that are Christians. It's kind of a, I don't know if it's patronizing or condescending, it's certainly an innocent statement, but they really don't know uh, just how wonderful uh, Catholics are, that truly believing Catholics are. And I and I think, on the other hand, Catholics really need to start um, learning to Appreciate and love our non-Catholic brothers and sisters. We just need to explain ourselves to each other, right?
2: Sure. Always begins with a dialogue, you know, an honest dialogue of, you know, who we are, where we come from. Not hearsay, not not sensationalistic preaching one about the other, but uh, a dialogue of persons, you know, uh, which is where the last three popes have wanted us to go in terms of ecumenical dialogue,
0: right? Even persons
2: coming together in faith, and what does that reveal?
0: Yeah, Pope Francis' first book that came out was his dialogue with a rabbi, uh, a leading yeah. rabbi in his country, um, and and the other thing is that we have uh, we have this uh, sense uh, the, the the desire for uh, Jesus prayed that we would be one. It, it, right now, the whole world is growing so dark around us with secular humanism, if you can even call it being human. And, and, uh, and we need to show the world that we love each other, because that's how they're going to know we're Christians, and gonna know who Jesus is.
2: That's right. Yeah, no, the Christians need to come together in a unified witness. I, I just met with some local pastors yesterday, in fact, uh, to begin the process of establishing a ministerial association here in, in the Melbourne area. Uh, and that's exactly what we were talking about. You know, in spite of theological differences, how can we show the community of Melbourne, that we who bear the name of Christ uh, are of one mind and can bear one witness to the love of God in Christ Jesus, Uh, both in talk but also in what we do in terms of our ministry to the homeless, uh, to immigrants, and these ways in which uh, our unified witness uh, can affect uh, the communities around us, Um, to to show the people looking at us, this is what the love of Christ, uh, incarnate in his church
0: looks like. Yeah, the early, uh, the first, the first century, uh, they would say, "Look at how they love each other." I'm talking right. with Father Jeremiah Payne, uh, associate pastor at a Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church in Indian Atlantic, Florida. We'll be right back with more Deep Adventure Radio.
1: Deep Adventure Radio, going deeper into the heart of God. Check out EWTN's official YouTube channel. Just follow the link on our homepage at EWTN.com or go to YouTube.com
0: slash
3: EWTN. Watch EWTN's live shows or today's homily from the Daily Mass.
0: Click the upload button to see our most recent clips. You can also find all of EWTN YouTube content by clicking the playlist button.
3: It's
1: all on the official EWTN YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash EWTN. Visit today. Deep Adventure Radio has challenged you to accept the wild adventure of God's will. Now, go even deeper with Bear's best-selling book, Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul. In story after story, Bear takes us along as he paddles deep, surfing alongside whales and dolphins and avoiding killer sharks. Bear shares his experiences of the ocean in an intimate and exciting way. We share in his pain, healing through God, and the joy of finding that deep, intimate relationship with Him. As the story unfolds, you'll see how surfing has become the metaphor for the journey toward intimacy with God. Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul, will stir your own desire to go deeper into your faith. Order it today at deepadventure.com for your own faith journey or for someone who needs to go deeper. Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul, by Bear Wozniak. Available at deepadventure.com. Wax up your boards. Let's paddle in for another wave of Deep Adventure Radio.
0: Aloha, this is Bear Wozniak. Welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. My adventure guide today is uh, Father Jeremiah Payne from Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church in the Atlantic. You know, m- usually my broadcasts come from Hawaii, and I'm sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll hear. Th- thunderous waves uh, breaking outside my window, 20, 30 foot surf. Well, this morning I I was awakened here in Cocoa Beach, Florida to the Orion rocket launching. And I would say on a scale of one to 10 with a Harley Davidson with sawed off pipes being a 10, this is about a thousand, the loudness and the power, but it has nothing even close to compare with the power uh, of the word of God. And we have. Uh, Father Jeremiah, who who, um, God has given a great gift of teaching and expounding on the the Word of God, and you were sharing with us really uh, uh, about this transition when you were you were leaving um, the Assembly of God University, and then you went on to to Steubenville, I guess, the Franciscan University of Steubenville.
2: Yes, yeah, I I was at. uh, uh, I'm sorry, I was at uh, Southeastern College for a year. even though I was converting. But after I converted, I was able to get a scholarship to go to Franciscan University, and uh, I wanted to go there because, one, uh, it was a charismatic uh, place, a charismatic Catholic place, and I thought that that was a nice transition from Pentecostalism into Catholicism, uh, a nice, easy transition. Uh, and also because they were known uh, to be Orthodox, you know, to, to present a a faithful view of Catholicism, and of theology, and of classical philosophy. Uh, and so, uh, with sadness, I left my friends at Southeastern, uh, whom I love, and uh, moved to Steubenville, Ohio, uh, to the great Coal Belt, as it were.
0: Which and is really uh, just a paradise, you know, it's just amazing. <laughs> that is like the last place I would want to go to school, you know, from a physical, exactly, geographic, exactly. especially the Florida. But wow, I, I was there, like I said, last Spring, but wow, what a powerhouse. It's an Orion it rocket for and sure. It
2: was a beautiful time of studying theology of diving deep. You know, I got to study with uh, people like Scott Hahn, who was my professor for four classes, and Alan Shrett, uh and others that your your listeners uh, might know. Um, you know, listen to great speakers at the conferences in the summer, which I often worked. And it was there where I really started making a decision about uh, ministry. Uh, if God was calling me to serve Him and His Church as a Catholic priest. And I joined a discernment program uh, called the Pre-Theologate at Franciscan University. And, you know, we started really intense prayer about vocation and and what God wanted us to do, how God wanted us to serve uh, Christ and His Church. Um, And that's where, you know, that that call to priesthood was really cemented in my heart. uh, And the deeper study of theology was really cemented in my heart. And a lot of dear friendships that I hold to this day, uh, good Catholic brothers and sisters um, that, that was uh, cemented in my heart, too.
0: Well, let's talk about one thing. If people who are listening are curious about what you're saying, one of your first experiences that kind of was your wake-up call was attending midnight mass and you made the statement that mass is wow, it's the closest thing to the book of Revelations that you had. It's always like Revelations on Earth and that's of course yes. something that Scott Hahn had, did a great job of discussing I believe, what was what was his book? The the, the,
2: the, uh, the Lamb's Supper or The Supper of the Lamb? Yeah, this,
0: yeah, we really recommend right now if you're listening to this and you want to get more information about what the mass is all about, that you read that and 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 you got to probably sit across from scott hahn and and have a cup of coffee every now and then huh or i just
2: oh for sure yes and he's a very interesting interlocutor and a great conversationalist and with a he has a photographic memory literally so anything you ask him he just reads from his brain if he's seen it he knows it and wow. uh just a wealth of knowledge, but beyond being incredibly smart, he's a man in love with the Lord. Uh, he's a man who knows what it's like to um, have to go through that often painful transition from from the Protestant churches we love into the Catholic Church. Uh, but a joyful transition. And so he was also a great support to me as I made that transition. And uh, I learned a lot from him. And I'd recommend if your readers don't know him, uh, YouTube, Google, Amazon, uh, you can find him, uh, listen to some of his stuff because it's extraordinarily inspiring and brilliant.
0: And the other thing we would recommend, too, is that uh, there's this book that I just love. I mean, I love this book. I love the Bible. I've read through it many times. But I love the official teaching of the Church, the Catholic Catechism, of the the, uh, the catechism of the catholic church which you can get to because what it does is it does a beautiful job of interpreting and help us understand what scripture is saying and it does that in the light of as we've said the early church fathers the um the saints and others so it's, it's like it just weaves this beautiful tapestry and just brings to life it's like looking at something on a flat piece of paper and then then and then the three dimensions of it just coming to life and so we would recommend if you want to know more about uh, what catholics believe you can uh uh, buy that too and you can just uh, j- almost look it up like it's a reference book but we are running out of time here and, and Father I know you have such a, a, um, a love for Jesus and I wonder if you would take some time here to uh, invite people to um, some people that are listening uh, just to that initial conversion experience uh, everyone has to have that moment God doesn't have grandchildren we need to have that time in our life when we when we say uh, as Mary said yes
2: yeah no, it's true it's true Blaze Pascal said so beautifully, um, that every heart has a God-shaped hollow that only God can fill. We come from him, we're created for him, and we find our deepest meaning in him. And we're never going to be truly happy. Uh, we're never going to be truly happy in life, truly fulfilled and satisfied uh, until we open our arms and our eyes and our hearts to the beauty of the space. Uh, and so that's what I'd that's what I'd say to people listening. Um, I know what life's struggles are like. I know, uh, I know what the cloudiness of the world can be. I know what it's like to search. Um, and, and the one promise that I'd make to them, uh, to the listeners, to you listening, uh, is that if you give uh, Christ a chance, if you open your hearts to Him, uh, I can guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. And you'll find that one thing that you're looking for, that one thing for which your heart has always been longing, uh-huh. because that's what your heart was made for, for him.
0: Can we uh, invite people to make that prayer right now? Sure. Okay, go. You can...
2: All right. If, if, if you're listening now and, and you want to do this, just just take a leap of faith. It can't hurt. Take a leap of faith and just pray with us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for showing us the love of God, and we thank you for showing us that, that love in such a dramatic way. That with arms outstretched embracing us, you faced even the cross. And in dying, you even destroyed our death in your resurrection. Pierce our hearts with your love. Set our hearts afire with your love. That we might know that even though we're sinners, that you have raised us up on high. And that by accepting you and by following you, we can truly become what you created us to be. And we can truly know authentic and abiding happiness. Send your Holy Spirit into our heart to set us on fire. Give us those gifts of the Spirit which allow us to be witnesses and lights in this world. And lead us always safely through this life's journey to the eternal glory of your kingdom, where forever we will be with you and your Father and your Holy Spirit, worshiping, adoring, and living that joyful and abundant life which you came to give us. Come into our hearts, make us new, raise us up, and lead us always with you. For we ask this in your name, who is Lord, forever and ever.
0: Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to be right back with more Deep Adventure Radio. Thank you, Father Jeremiah, for joining us. You can find him at hnj.org. Yes, That's yes. the Holy Name of Jesus uh, Catholic Church at hnj.org. Aloha. We'll be right back.
1: Hi, this is Doug Barry from BattleReadyStrong.com. And when I'm not hitting the weights or running up and down a mountain, I like to listen to Barrow Wazek's Deep Adventure Radio. Surf's Up Real and Radical Ways to Live Your Faith.
3: Hi, this is Mark Buchanan, Professor of Law and International Business, and I'm here with this week's edition of Surf's Up Just Thinking About How God Paves Our Way. Just recently, uh, actually currently I'm on a motorcycle trip, but started a couple weeks ago and we were headed through Wyoming and and we got up one morning and took off and it was beautiful and we were heading down the Wind River Range in Wyoming and all of a sudden we started noticing storms. There were storms to the right, storms to the left, and a huge storm ahead of us. We kind of wondered whether we were going to overtake it or not. but as it turns out, it kept farther ahead of us, and the storm stayed each way. And then when we got into where we were going to spend the night, we found out about all the storms that had raged all around us, including dropping uh, snow in a place not too far from where we settled and going on and causing serious damage in Denver. And we just realized that God really had paved the way. And I guess in so many ways, the Lord has taught me that uh, if I'm in his will, which is a question of whether I'm exercising my frill, my free will to follow his will, then he does pave the way. He can turn all sorts of difficult situations into things that are blessings, especially as we look back. And often he does bless us with the understanding after the fact, although there have been a lot of times during the fact where we struggle, certainly I've struggled, to say, Lord, what's going on now? Why is this happening? How can this possibly be for something good? But sometimes the day comes and all of a sudden there's a realization about the struggle that we've been through and the perseverance that he's taught us that has added to our character. And I guess there's another story I might tell some other time about how the reward of godliness is that, godliness. And that godliness, in godliness, we can trust him even more. Let him pave our way. Surf's up. Go deep or go home.
1: Now, back to paradise and Deep Adventure Radio.
0: Aloha, and welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. That was deep. It's great to have Father Jeremiah Payne with us. You know, we're very fortunate. Uh, we, Our ministry is supported 100% by our listeners, or has been. And you can go to our website, deepadventure.com, and you can, you can uh, donate to us, or you can write to us and become a monthly donor if you'd like. We really need all the help we can get. Uh, one of the ways you can help us is we have a sponsor. This sponsor on it is an earth-grown health supplement company, not your... Father's Buick type of thing. This is a a company that uh, sponsored me. Has been. I've been. Uh, I was one of the original members of their Hall of Fame as a world champion s- surfer, and they sponsor like. Some of the great MMA fighters, and just so many radical extreme athletes. There's something special about their products. There's no chemicals, there's nothing, no messing around. But they have one great product that I, I the first product that they came out with was Alpha Brain. It's gone through double blind testing, the same as any pharmaceutical, even though it's not a pharmaceutical. And it uh, provides a great enhancement to your cognitive uh, work, you know, your brain, your ability to find the right words to speak at the right time, your memory. And even kind of uh, blows my mind because I, my dreams are so much more vivid. Uh, when I um, have a healthy mind and a healthy brain, so go to our website deepadventure.com. You can click on the on it link there, and we're providing you with a 10% discount. And when you go there, they sponsor us back with um, with uh, helping us with our ministry. So this is Bear Wozniak with Deep Adventure Radio. May the breath of the Holy Spirit, aloha, you. aloha.
1: This is Deep Adventure Radio. Hear archived shows, buy Bear's book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul, and sign up for our Wave of the Week email at deepadventure.com. For the latest news on Bear and Deep Adventure, visit us on Facebook and share Deep Adventure with your friends. The most radical thing you can do in life is abandon yourself to the wild adventure of God's will. Deep Adventure Radio.